0: Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hello and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson, lovely to have your company today. And in today's show we're going to look at a highly sustainable passive build house that's won a major award here in Manawatu, Wanganui. We'll also move on to talk about some state housing that's being developed in Palmerston North and we're going to look at various opinions from various people about the state of the real estate housing market and what can be done to try and get things back to being a little bit fairer in the supply and demand situation. We'll start first of all with the home that's just been built in Fielding, that is 1E House Two, a Regional Master Builders Supreme House of the Year award, and it sounds like quite a house indeed. This was on stuff.co.nz in the lifestyle section. It says, an elongated single-storey house and fielding designed to maximise country views has caught the eye of judges to take the Supreme Award at the Manawatū and Wanganui Registered Masters Builders 2021 House of the Year competition. E-House Manawatū won the award for the complex and exceptionally well-built home. The project also won the new home $1.5 million to $2 million category, the Pink Bats Craftsmanship Award, the APL Sustainable Excellence Award, the Kitchen Excellence Award and a gold award. So it really must be quite a home indeed and you might want to have a look at that uh, online. The judges praised the way the extraordinary, extraordinary length of the house has been broken down into individually distinct pavilions, a unique but effective design. And designed to meet the rigorous International Passive House Institute performance standards for full certification, the house is a highly efficient thermal envelope. It was designed by 242AM Architects. Oh, that's a, a local Palmer's North team. E-House did a fantastic job at producing a home beyond all of those standards while creating a quality built and architecturally designed home. The home stands out due to the exquisite materials used and these include a German high-density fibre, precast concrete, cedar and otago schist that has been specifically cut to fit into the home. The judges also complimented the stunning Gullwing wing. French oak ceilings and the bright red front door that was built from a special carbon fibre material that mimics the detail from the owner's car collection. So there we go. (laughs) The outdoor living area is exquisite with a collection of black pergolas, one of which looks out directly to a pool area and has a wood fire that hangs from concealed framing. So really um, pretty amazing. I won't go through all the details there but uh, some other uh, winners were Onslow Construction and Design who won the Supreme Renovation of the Year Award uh, up to $500,000 and a gold award for a home in Palmerston North. So that full list of winners can be found uh, upon, uh, in the lifestyle section of homes.co.nz. So it's really great to see the level at which uh, the building industry is building homes and particularly taking into account the sustainability uh, and environmental factors So other buildings happening as well speaking of uh, sustainability and environmental factors and that's state housing uh, This article from stuff.co.nz says state housing development rises from ashes of tragedy So the new Kainga Ora homes are being developed on Palmerston North Exeter Crescent where old style two storey state houses previously stood one of them was gutted by fire in 2015, resulting in the deaths of Bessie Tolcona 61, and her granddaughter Eunice Felton, 6. The 10 units in the first stage of development are being filled. The stage has five one-bedroom, four two-bedroom, and one three-bedroom units. Stage 2, which is under construction, expected to finish later in 2021, has four four-bedroom and two three-bedroom units. Our greatest demand is for smaller homes, one or two bedroom units, said Graham Broderick, Kainga Ora's regional director for Taranaki, Wanganui and Manawatu. So it's nice to see that uh, the, the, there's five one bedrooms and four two bedrooms in those first stages. The development is part of a huge building programme for the government housing provider, giving Palmas North 84 new state homes in the last three years. Including the six In the Exeter Series second stage, 18 houses are under construction in the city. Another 150 are in the planning or feasibility stages. So it's really good. You may have noticed if you're driving around Palmerston North, there are areas where they will tend to remove one or two state houses and replace them with uh, easily four or five smaller units. So it's good to see that uh, they're trying to make some inroads there. So this comes at a time of unprecedented demand for social housing as housing prices and rents climbed to record highs due to surging demand. In March there were about 715 applicants on the housing register waiting for vacancies in Palmerston North. Kainga Auto uses local contractors and Broderick said officials were developing a pool they could call on for central region projects. Homes Construction is building the Exeter Street houses. Units are spacious inside and will have small outdoor areas, so they've gone from the typical state house that's on a full section, and now looking for better utilising the land uh, in terms of medium density. Incidentally, King Order has also bought around ten thousand one hundred square metres of land in the central city on Church Street between Albert Street and Victoria Ave for six point three six million. And they're hoping to be in position to lodge a resource consent next year and, all going well, start construction towards the end of next year. And up to 60 homes could be built on that land, although Kainga Oro was only in the early design phase. It would work with neighbours and the wider community to plan the development. So you may have noticed in that area there on Church Street between Albert and Victoria that um, yeah, there's certainly a lot of uh, gaps that have been appearing and that's as they prepare for doing that development in the future. That should be uh, fantastic and also in a good location as well. So let's look at the wider market here for a moment. This article from Stuff uh, says, House price increase is slowing but LVR change will speed up the process. So the Reserve Bank's plan to introduce tighter lending restrictions should reduce the ongoing momentum of the housing market, CoreLogic says. House prices were still increasing with nationwide values up by another 1.8% over July, the latest uh, CoreLogic House Price Index showed. This took the national average to another record high of 922,000 and was an increase of 24.8% on the same time last year. But while July's monthly rate of price increase was the same as June, it was down on the 2.2% recorded in May and the 3.1% recorded in April. You may recall on the last show I mentioned uh, an article saying that their prices were slowing, but really what's slowing is the rate of growth. So the article goes through a number of centres. Uh, it doesn't mention Palmer's North or Wanganui, unfortunately, but it just gives ideas for um, a number, well, it shows a trend, which is all of these uh, Property prices going up around the country. CoreLogic Head of Research Nick Goodall said house prices were likely to be past the peak interest rate but that the market was a big beast which could take some time to flow. Uh, for slow, I should say, <laughs> excuse me. The exceptional rate of increase witnessed following the economic recovery after the pandemic-induced lockdown was not sustainable, he said. However, with the asset class the size of the residential property market, which now exceeds $1.54 trillion and remains attractive due to still low interest rates, any slowdown was destined to be gradual. So it means that the market continues to have ongoing momentum and this may have helped convince the Reserve Bank not to wait until the next OCR announcement before acting. They announced uh, last Tuesday that it would consult with banks later this month on the introduction of tighter loan-to-value restrictions and the implementation of debt-to-income restrictions. It proposed there should be an LVR of only 10% of the new own occupier housing loans to borrowers with 20% deposit or less instead of the current 20% lending. Goodall said that 35 to 38% of all first-home buyers had a deposit of less than 20% and the Reserve Bank's move might hit them the hardest. So it's really interesting to see that trying to slow the market often punishes uh, the people that the government is trying to help out. It's possible that uh, the market might get busier, as they uh, see a rush of people wanting to buy before LVRs are officially tightened. That could result in a slight spike in growth beforehand. So that's uh, one perspective of uh, what's happening with the market there. Here's another one, this is from Tony Alexander who does a real estate survey and this article says the fear of missing out returns for property buyers, the survey shows. So the fear of missing out is persisting for property buyers being the latest uh, real estate survey showing that it's at the highest level in four months but fear of overpaying is lower than the peak period of April and May. In other words, people are still seeing the market as likely to go up. In an early August survey carried out by the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand and independent economist Tony Alexander, 66% or or two-thirds of real estate agents report seeing the fear of missing out among buyers. It's up from 49% in late April, May and 60% in July, so it's increasing. The fear of overpaying peaked in April, Alexander told NewsHub, with 37% of agents saying buyers were concerned house prices might fall. It's now declining. In the August survey, only 19% of agents reported that, that buyers were saying they're concerned the market might fall. Compared to February, more real estate agents feel house prices are rising, with a net 61% in August. But more real estate agents reported fewer buyers attending auctions in open homes than those reporting more, a trend that has persisted for five months. In August, a net 11 of agents reported fewer buyers at auctions uh, the same week as the government housing announcement was made. A net 7% of agents reported fewer buyers at open homes, which is the most improved result since March. In other words, buyers are coming back into the market. Over the last two months, reports showed fewer investors pulling back from the market, a net 42% of agents reported seeing fewer investors in August, an improvement on May and June. So the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand and Tony Alexander Real Estate Survey is based upon collated responses from real estate agents across the country and is an early indication of market activity. Miriam Bell from stuff.co.nz has this headline, $1 million plus sales double in a year. So there was a 167.9% increase in the number of properties sold for $1 million or more during the first half of this year compared to the first half of last year, the Real Estate Institute says. The Institute's $1 million dollar price report showed that almost $15,000 million plus properties were sold in the first part of 2021 up from 5,500 over the same period last year. What a difference. The Real Estate Institute Chief Executive, Jen Baird, said this was a significant change even though the first half of last year was affected by the nationwide COVID lockdown. The volume of properties sold over 1 million is reflective of a property market that has seen a 28.7% median price growth in the year to the end of June. So they then then go on to look at uh, a number of other regions and that includes Manutu, Wanganui, In this particularly strong percentage increase, um, the number of million-dollar properties uh, sold in Manautu, Wanganui up 376.9%. So as prices move up and more properties go up into that million-dollar-plus category, uh, I'm sure if you live in this region you would have seen uh, what prices uh, properties are going for now and that uh, not so long ago million-dollar-plus properties were the place of people who were very well off and you could get quite a substantial home, particularly for those whose memories are, are a little longer of the market, whereas now um, the, that has gone up 369% just in one year. And that's on the back of an article on NZadvisor that says that New Zealand housing market hits another record. And I'll just look at the, um, from this report, I'll mention a couple of things. The Central North Island recorded the highest increase in asking price, up 48% to 770000 in July 2021, compared to the same month last year. And Manawatu Wanganui is right up there as well, uh, asking prices up 25.8% compared to a year ago. Wellington, 25% up from a year ago. So the average asking price is Manawatu Wanganui have just hit around $630,000. So really significant increases indeed there. So I'll just have a little bit of a music break now. We'll go to a bit of Paul Young with Wherever I Lay My Hat, here on Property Matters.
1: Tell you're gonna cry. Is it over me if it is? Save your tears for I- I'm not worth it. You see, for I'm the type of boy who is always on the road. That's my home, I'm telling you that's my home, you had romance, did you break it by chance over me, it's so I'd like for you to know that I'm not worth it, you type of boy who is always
0: We're back on MPR.NZMANO2 People's Radio. You're listening to Property Matters. Tideo, Irangi, O Natangata or o Two. I'm Greg Watson. It's lovely having your company. We're just going to move on now to the, the this article from Daniel Smith. It says housing as a human right, those for and against. So the Human Rights Commission has released a report which calls the government's treatment of the housing crisis a human rights calamity. Is it really a human rights issue? Well, there's a number of comments here made by a, a number of people I thought I'd bring to you. is quite interesting. But the first thing is that the Chief Commissioner, Paul Hunt, said on Monday that the housing crisis was an institutional failure, that housing is absolutely fundamental to the country's health. Poor housing impoverishes people and impoverishes our country. We have to get this right. The Commission launched a framework guidelines for a national inquiry into housing, So uh, Stuff and Daniel Smith, the uh, author of this article, asked those with a stake in the issue whether they're for or against reframing the housing debate around human rights. So ACT leader and MP for Epsom, David Seymour, said, "Uh, I haven't read the report as I value my time on earth and as a consequence I don't read anything from the Human Rights Commissions." That's a pretty harsh comment. He says, the Commission's report is a pointless way to approach the topic. There is no such thing as a right without a duty. If people have a right to housing, who has the duty to provide it? The question is how do we carry out that duty and those problems are very well understood. The property investor coach Steve Goody says it's all just words. The government that we currently have decided that they like the stick more than the carrot. They're taking a beating to landlords to try and totally discourage one side of the market. He says, where are the positive incentives for property developers to build a 1,000 more houses next year? They haven't made it easier to subdivide land and they've just said, all right, investors stop buying houses and this doesn't fix anything. Using words like human rights can paint the wrong picture of the situation. If we decided as a country to say that clean, dry, efficient housing is a human right, then is it a human right to live in Auckland or is it a human right that if you want a Order home that you have to move out of the main centres? He says, Not all landlords are the evil enemy. Lots of landlords have set up something for their own retirement and a lot of them care about their tenants. I think it's bad form to get the big brush out and call landlords evil. There is good and bad everywhere. Landlords do their bit. Property developers are trying to build as many houses as possible. Maybe if the government made things a little easier for them, we could get this fixed. We had some comments from Renters United spokesman Ashok Jacob who says the problem the Human Rights Commission has identified is that governments have treated housing purely as a market commodity since the 1980s but housing is not like other market commodities because you can't choose to be in it in the housing market. It's been treated like an investment and the government has encouraged that view. Now we're in a situation where housing like so many other forms of wealth is concentrated in a very small number of people but unlike other forms of wealth everybody has to have a house. He says the Human Rights Commission has identified that the way we currently view housing does not align with the fact that human beings need a roof over their head. But the focus on it being a human right does not provide us with a pathway to get out of this mess. They've identified a problem without promoting a solution. The solutions are all there because we've done it before. We need massive state housing build, regulation and price control and the state basically needs to be the main actor in the housing market not just building but providing tenancy. For all government commitment to fairness and well-being, there seems to be a massive psychological block between what they say about their vision for New Zealand and how they act in government. We've identified the problem. The next step is moving forward. So housing is a human right. How does Property Investors Federation Executive Sharon Corwick say about this? She says, I knew that shelter was a human right, but I didn't think housing was. But I do think, fair enough, housing is a human right. In this country, there should be no reason why everyone shouldn't have a house or home they can call their own, whether that be through renting or ownership. A lot of things in the report the government is already working on implementing, such as the Healthy Home Standard and upgrading tenancy rights. I'm guessing that the government will slowly work its way through the other suggestions. The best we can do is increase supply before we worry about tinkering with anything else. If you have more supply, the tenants have a choice. The rents will come down. We can remove our older stock from the market. She says the private sector owns 85% of the rental stock, but at the moment we aren't being helped. We've got the houses. We just need to help people make them available. And that leads on to another article from Radio New Zealand that says, The solution to housing rights crisis should mirror massive post-war effort according to an economist. So the Human Rights Commission has released its initial guidelines on the what the right to a decent home means in New Zealand, and that will inform an inquiry later this year. The Commission said successive governments shared responsibility for a massive human rights failure, with the goal of an affordable, healthy home now more remote than ever for many New Zealanders. So economist Shamabil Jakob agreed it was time to recognise housing as a human right. He says we've signed up to the Declaration of Human Rights but there seems to be very little conne- connection between the Declaration of Human Rights and how our other policies connect together so the coordination and cohesion of our policies is not there. We're not the only ones that are suffering these issues but in New Zealand we've seen massive issues with our housing market. The government needed to show the same political will to tackle the crisis that previous governments showed after World War II. He says, New Zealand went through this in the past, so when we had the reforms after the Second World War, it was off the back of massive housing shortages, massive problems with housing, and that's why the big move to build more houses and those policies came through. I think we need to have that moment of crisis and solution again. And actually, just jumping out of that article from my own personal opinion, I would absolutely agree. Renters United spokesperson Ashok Jacob said, The template for the sixth Labour government had already been laid by the first Labour government. We know what the roadmap is to get justice and equality because we've done it before. The Labour government did it in the 40s. They built tens of thousands of houses a year. They put strict regulations on the amount of rent you could charge. They had really high standards what new builds and what rentals had to be. They put in all these measures because they were seen at the time as common sense. So... The fact that masses of people are living in awful conditions that we see on the news and people come to us describing it, it really should embarrass a government that sees itself to be social democrat and considers itself to be representing fairness and equality and justice. So it's uh, it's, it's really tricky to... um, uh, problem to to solve. Um, The the housing minister Megan Woods said in a statement that she's acutely aware of the challenges faced by many in finding affordable warm dry long-term housing. She says it's a legacy problem that has been decades in the making, not enough new affordable homes have been built and previous governments have failed to do anything about it. So really she's just blaming history which is not a solution. She says it's great to see Human Rights Commission take an interest in housing and we're happy to work with them to highlight the urgent work the Government is already undertaking to ensure all New Zealanders have safe, warm and dry houses. Right across Government, there is a major programme of work underway aimed at increasing the supply of public housing, improving housing affordability and lifting incomes. Megan Woods says you only have to look around Auckland and Parirua to get a sense of our major public house build. In fact, under this government, more houses are being built now than any time since the 1970s. Again, this is all, to me, this is all just a bit of rhetoric. You know, it's um, the the scale of the problem is so large that they really need to, to step up and massively increase what they are doing. However, she says the plan is working. However, we are the first to admit it will take more time as we play catch-up. We're on track for 18,000 new Kainga Ora homes by 2024. So who knows what that number will be uh, or what that target would be given that it's getting more and more unaffordable for people in housing. I uh, just one quick comment on an article by Henry Cook on stuff.co.nz entitled Housing Crisis. Reserve Bank admits consistently getting house price projections wrong. We've seen this now for really quite some time indeed. And the Reserve Bank has now admitted its house price forecasts have been consistently wrong in the past decade The bank, which has kept the cash rate and thus interest rates consistently low in recent years as house prices have exploded, told a parliamentary select committee its forecasts have been off by an average of 5.2% since 2010, with house prices rising consistently higher than forecast. So you wonder how they can sort of get that wrong, but I suppose it's easy in hindsight. These were answers to a select committee come as MPs and analysts have expressed disbelief at both Treasury and Reserve Bank's housing forecasts, particularly the recent ones which forecast serious stabilisation as a result of the government's suite of policy changes. So over the past decade, the key drivers of this deviation between the predictions has been that migration has tended to turn out higher than forecast and mortgage interest rates have tended to be lower than our forecasts would imply. So generally across the board, the National Party MP and housing spokeswoman said Nicola Willis, said it's very worrying that Reserve Banks can get the figures wrong given how big of a player it was in the housing market. Willis and Green MP Chloe Swarbrick have been calling for Treasurer and the Reserve Bank to be allowed by Labour MPs on the committee to appear in person to defend their forecasting. Uh, Also the Housing Minister, Megan Woods, said basically every economist had got House projections wrong in recent years, which is something that is a little bit of a theme sometimes on this show. So many analysts actually expect the Reserve Bank to raise interest rates in the second half of the year, but we'll just have to see how that goes. And well, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks for being here. You can find this show on npr.nz or any of the previous shows, plus anywhere where all good podcasts are found. Just Greg Watson and Property Matters. Thanks for listening.